we had our, our first child uh, was born earlier this year. Congratulations and, uh, on that. I hope your son is going to write the foreword for the book. Yes, I'll get him to do a little uh, one-hour presentation. (laughs) Hey, this is John Lee Dumas from Entrepreneur on Fire. You're listening to my friend, Ash Roy. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. When you decide to take your business to the next level through good quality business coaching and actionable online strategies, head over to ProductiveInsights.com and book a free 30-minute consultation with me. Hello, everyone. Today, I'd like to introduce a very special guest, David Jennings, who's the founder of AuthorityContent.com. David started his career in the stockbroking industry, and he went on to build a very successful business called Melbourne SEO Services, and that's MelbourneSEOServices.com. This SEO service has evolved into authoritycontent.com, which is the direction in which SEO is heading given Google's insatiable hunger for high quality content. So today, Dave and I are going to talk about authority content and how businesses can use content marketing to take their business to the next level. Welcome, David. Fantastic. Thank you for the invite to the podcast. You're welcome. Really looking forward to it. It's a topic I'm very passionate about. Pleasure to have you, mate. So David, let's start by talking about content marketing and SEO and the interdependence between the two concepts from Google's perspective. Yeah, it's interesting to watch as the algorithms evolved and seeing these two camps, there's almost like the content marketing camp and then there's the SEO camp. And quite often they are almost like treated separately because the content marketers, they often have it wrong because all they're focusing on is creating this high quality content and with very little thought about how to optimize it and then how to get that message out across the web. And then on the flip side, you've got the SEOs. So the SEOs oftentimes, they're thinking about creating content, doing it in mass just for the sake of trying to syndicate it out across the web to generate as much potential backlinks as they can back to their website with a view to try and increase the rankings of the website. So each of them have kind of, I think, missed the boat because they each need each other. And where we've found a little bit of a sweet spot is something that we call authority content. And that's where you find really great high-quality content that really serves the target market and applying good SEO principles to it to help optimize it, help syndicate it, and get it around the web to get the maximum number of people seeing it. So it's that sweet spot between the two that really gives Google what they want because Google's primary objective really is to deliver the best and most relevant result to the searcher when someone's searching online. They usually come to Google with a particular question and then they want to find a piece of content or information that helps to answer that and hopefully get them to that answer in the least number of clicks. So by putting out high-quality content that really hits the conversation that's going on in the mind of the prospect and then optimizing it so Google finds it, discovers it, and tends to rank it more highly than perhaps some other unoptimized content. That's really kind of where you get that magic between the two. And something else I've also noticed is a pure focus on SEO could lead to keyword stuffing and things like that. I think the marriage between SEO and content marketing is important because when you're producing good quality content, you're less likely to just do keyword stuffing kind of strategies because you're going to be thinking about content that is useful and relevant to the user, which is what Google wants. Exactly right. And and when you think about it, it's kind of that 
the reason that they kind of need each other, I often say you don't have an SEO strategy unless you have a content strategy as well. They need to go hand in hand. And that's just because ultimately that's you're looking to serve that end prospect. And if you're focusing on the wrong thing, you tend to improve what it is that you're focusing on. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're, you're an SEO and you're focusing on how many backlinks have I built or how many page number one rankings have I got? These are some flawed metrics that oftentimes get you cutting corners and taking shortcuts, which ultimately can end up hurting you further down the track. And this is an all too common question as an SEO we get. People will ask us, well, how many backlinks are you going to be building for us each month? And it's not about the number of backlinks. I mean, one good quality backlink could be worth thousands of very low quality backlinks. Mm -hmm. If you focus on that as a metric, you end up coming undone. So yeah, I, I tend to agree by focusing on putting out high quality content, you're putting yourself in a a better situation because you're thinking about serving the target market as opposed to trying to meet some SEO metric. And the other thing is maybe it used to be about backlinks in previous Google updates, but since recent Google algorithm updates, Google's become much more insistent on content that is easily consumable and relevant to the customer or the or their customer, which is the person searching for the content. So I think that's important too. And another point I wanted to mention was in an earlier podcast episode, it was episode number six, I'll put it in the show notes. Chris Garrett from Copyblogger said, content marketing is about a conversation that happens between the buyer and the seller. And if you're just focusing on backlinks, you're not focusing on the conversation, that interaction between the buyer and the seller. And this is where, again, your content strategy, your approach to writing the content in a non backlink obsessed way matters. Yeah. And I mean, Google is evolving. And if, if you don't update that strategy and you're applying old strategies, you're not going to sort of be in favor with Google because they are, they're looking to target certain manipulations and ways that people have found to game the engines. So by shifting your thinking and and thinking about SEO a little bit differently, which really is very user-focused first, as opposed to people just thinking about how do I game the search engine, you're also putting yourself in a much safer position longer term. Because really, you're now putting your objectives in line with what Google's objectives are as well. Exactly. Exactly. And I really like the word you use about trying not to game the system because that is exactly what a lot of black hat or short-term SEO approaches do. They try to game the system. And if you try and game Google, you are going to lose. I think you have to play the long game. Yeah. Yep. I think hit the nail on the head there. Okay. So David, let's move on to talk about the three P's of content marketing. Could you run us through those three P's and how they help to build authority for a business? Yeah. So when I think about the direction in which Google is headed, this this importance of, okay, well, how do we know who to trust on the web? There is uh, an infinite number of websites out there and everybody's claiming that they have the answer or the solution. How does Google know who to trust? An easy way for them to default is back to authority. So people in authority tend to get Uh, a little bit of an extra boost or or favor in the eyes of Google. So if you focus on that and make that as something that you really focus in on, you kind of tip in the odds in your favor. So once that realization had been made, then I thought, well, how do we go about creating a process to build up the authority? Because in business, there's any number of things that you could be doing. And typically speaking, 
there's usually only a handful of things that you should like that you could focus on at any one point in time because there are so many things you could be doing but what should you be doing mm-hmm. so the, the way that i identify where that is is to think about how can i tick as many boxes as i can with one activity so if i could do an activity but i get the benefit in multiple different things that i know need to be done in my business then that's something that tends to get prioritized higher up the list. So that's how we developed this methodology, the three P's of authority content, because it enables us to hit the content marketing angle. It enables us to hit the SEO strategy. It also enables us to create a product. It also enables us to consistently get content out there. It's got multiple different benefits and helps position you or the the business as the uh, authority in the industry. So the three P's methodology, it's present, product, and promote. So step one is all about thinking about what information can you deliver to your target market that's going to be helpful and relevant to them? Now, we've tried content creation in a whole variety of different methods, but we actually find for the most cost-effective and you know quick through to execution method is some form of presentation. So when I say present, some people think in terms of like a traditional workshop style thing. And yes, that's one way to present in front of an audience. Another way to present could be like what we did for our cosmetic surgeon client where they sat in the practice in front of a few of their clients and talked about what are some of the concerns or benefits from cosmetic surgery and things that you need to consider if you were getting a cosmetic procedure done. So it's not so much about where or how you deliver it, rather what information is relevant to the target market and then trying to batch that content creation. So you might block out half a day or a whole day and you sit down and Usually it works best if you've got someone else in the room, so you've got a little bit of an audience. So that way it's like forces you to create that content all in one go. It's it's a bit of a, a forced creation method. Mm-hmm. And then you just try and you can get out things like uh, frequently asked questions. You can get out just you need to think about what's going on in the, the client's head, the target market's head, and help to create content that answers questions that they've got batch that content creation into one day. And that's what that present module is. And you also try and collect some photos on the day and things like that, which help to raise your authority. And authorities, they are out there educating. Authorities are out there taking a stance. And by creating that type of content, it helps to position you. Then if you're creating that content anyway, I tend to like to then turn it into a product, which is the second P. And the reason you create a a product is it starts to put a value on your information because there's so much information out there on the web. How do you determine what is valuable information rather than just noise? I think by taking the information that you've got, turning it into a product, a digital product potentially that you could deliver online, then it really adds, you can put a price on it then. It's a, it could be a home study course that you sell or a product that you sell that now your information has value. Mm-hmm. Now, some businesses uh, have seen situations because we work with a variety of clients for through Melbourne SEO services. Some clients, it doesn't quite make sense for them to have a digital product. You know, for the horse supplies company, they don't necessarily want to have a a home study video course on horse healthcare. Like 
as much as they potentially could. You know, they're more interested in selling saddles and things like that. But you can still take the content and create it into almost like an open source style product where you look at something like Moz where they've got their uh, social media guides and things like that, where it's good, helpful content that lives in one place. I mean, we just did a, uh, some work for a pool manufacturer and we created a series of this authority content style. We, we flew up, we did a, a day of them presenting, answering all the questions that you need to think about when installing a pool. We then turned that into like an open resource guide on their website that helps someone go through the buying experience when looking to buy a pool. Now, that's obviously not a, a product that we would sell, but it's an open source. Again, I, I tend to prefer where you can to sell it because mm-hmm. it's nice to put an inf- a price on your information. But if you can't uh, because of the business, then having it open source also works well. And then the final P is the, the promote stage. And that's all about then taking that content chopping that up into pieces. Uh, So each individual bite-sized piece is relevant and interesting and useful on its own. So you might take out of a full-day workshop, six hours or seven hours, you might get 40 different videos that are relevant for little different topics. You can then upload that through to uh, YouTube. You can get it transcribed. You can post the transcriptions and the videos on your blog. You can then split out the audio, upload that to iTunes, identify which bits of content are getting most engaged as you start to share it around social media, and then potentially amplify the bits of content that are doing really well. You kind of like double down on your successes. So it's a really good way for most business owners who never find the time to do content creation to have a very systematic sort of methodical approach for batching their content creation. And then that content might actually become the content that they drip out over the next three months or six months. And now they don't have to think about content. They don't have to worry about going to someone in a country where maybe English isn't their first language and writing some low quality articles because they feel like they need to be publishing something regularly on their blog. It becomes their own information that's very high quality that really helps to pre-sell and position them as an expert. And There's a few things that need to happen to become an expert. Like once you've got someone's attention, then you need to engage them by having good, relevant, useful content. And then by doing that on a consistent basis, engaging them on a consistent basis, then you build up trust. Mm -hmm. So, and that's usually at the time it, it becomes much easier to make an offer and make a sale. So by doing this process, it's a way to keep your message constantly in front of your target market and keeping them warm so that they'll hopefully go ahead and make a purchase. Okay. I just want to call out a couple of really, really valuable things in what you said. First of all, I just want to say thank you for providing that context behind the three Ps. That was really useful. The other thing is I really liked how you talked about the presentation part where you set aside half a day. So it time boxes the content creation process and sets clear parameters around it for the business so they can devote themselves completely to that job and get it done in one hit. I talked about time boxing in one of my previous podcast episodes, which was very well received. So it really ties in well with that. The second thing I really liked was you then talked about turning those presentations into a product because it's just a case of then recording the presentations and then productizing them in the form of videos which you may sell or you may just drip through YouTube by chunking it into pieces and using it for promotion. So those three pieces fit together really fluidly that way. 
another great way to repurpose content is to have it transcribed using rev.com or there's other services too, I believe. You just submit a podcast or a video to rev.com, that's rev.com. And for a dollar per minute of spoken word, they transcribe it quite accurately, actually, into a blog post. So you could turn your video into a written version and put that down as a blog post and get some content that way as well. Yeah, and by going through this process and having good, consistent, high-quality content getting dripped out over a longer period of time, this is what helps to set you up and position you as the authority. Like, how does someone determine whether or not someone is an authority or not? There's usually a whole variety of different factors. And the way I like to think of it, it's a little bit like a scoreboard. And whether or not someone's consciously aware of it or they're unconsciously having a look at it, they're measuring up a whole variety of different metrics from the way that you present yourself on your website to the amount of people engaging with your content, the type of content, if you're consistent with putting out content. There's all of these factors that are going on. And by going through this process I talked about, it's a great way to tick as many of these boxes as possible. And then on a sum and done over a consistent basis, that's when someone can go, oh, wow, this person really is an expert. They're out there, they're educating their marketplace, they've got strong opinions on certain topics, mm-hmm. they're not a fly-by-night or a, you know, a wannabe expert because they're actually out there doing this on a consistent basis. Mm. So it's kind of, it, it really ticks a lot of those different things and helps to position you as the expert. What I really like about your batching process, which you then chop into pieces and drip out over time, is you're getting the best benefit of consistency, but you don't have to produce the content on a regular basis. You produce it over a day in one hit, and then you're consistently dripping it out weekly or monthly or whatever it is you're doing. Consistency, of course, is really key in terms of building trust with your audience. So you've got the best of both worlds. You've got the benefit of batching and doing it in one hit, but you also have the benefit of consistent release of your content. And it also makes it very easy because as the authority or the expert in the business, once the work is done, your work is done. Like as in once you've presented, you can actually put processes and procedures in place behind you to then have that content dripped out. Again, because you've done all the core thinking now, a lot of what comes after it really is just the mechanics of syndication, which is something that can be documented and team members step in behind you. Yep. Great point. Actually, that really segues beautifully into the next point I wanted to talk about, and we've already touched on it, and that is building good content creation systems in a business that sets a business up with an unassailable competitive advantage online. So we talked about content repurposing, creating robust systems. We've already touched on it. We've talked about how you batch process your content creation. You set aside a day for it. You completely devote that day to creating content, and then you consistently drip out the content over time through content syndication, content amplification using Facebook and Twitter and whatever else and you really create that unassailable competitive advantage any other systems you can point to apart from this three p's that you've talked about i mean there are a series of subsystems under each one of those three p's Hmm. i think i mean the the real skill as a teacher is to take the complex and make it simple and easy and bite-sized and understandable so the three p's present product and promote makes it a very easy framework for someone to go, ah, yeah, I get it, I get the process. But then when you kind of drill down, underneath each of the different steps, you can have very specific steps for, okay, you've recorded the content, now you get a team member to 
sit there, watch it and time code it. So you have a spreadsheet handy and they pick the start and stop times Mm -hmm. for each individual clip that's going to get cut out. Then they go and do the keyword research and they write the title tags and descriptions and tags. That all gets loaded into a spreadsheet then that spreadsheet then gets sent off to another assistant who then chops the video into pieces and tops and tails the video with like the intro and outro with some sort of call to action. Then they take the spreadsheet and then they take the videos they've cut and then they upload it to YouTube. And then when they upload it to YouTube, they can load in all of the relevant tags and then they set the video to private. So that way you can't see it straight away. So then it all gets up into YouTube and then it becomes a matter of once every week or however often you want to publish, you make something public. And then you, again, you have a system behind that, which becomes a waterfall process where, okay, earlier on you had it uh, transcribed. Now that it's made published, um, another team member spots when each new video goes live and then they capture it and then they turn it into a blog post. And then for creating of a blog post, there are certain steps involved with that. Obviously there's a way to format it and present it on WordPress. And then there's also the optimization side of things of, okay, once it's done, you know, how do we select a relevant keyword get it in the title description a couple of times on the page and then okay what's the syndication process after that once that's published there you know i pick it up and i post it on my twitter account you know some of the team might post it on their google plus account we post it into our facebook page we then let it sit and then we have a process over you know three or four weeks when we've published a series of content to go back to youtube and see which bits of content are getting the most engagement and then we take that content and then we feed that through to our adwords guy and then he starts placing that content on facebook which remarkets to people who visited our website earlier so each one of these sections you can systemize and have it very sort of granular like we've my, my background initially, you mentioned it in the start, was in the stock market education niche. And we used to design trading systems and a trading system. It's like a business plan for how to trade the stock market. And it tells someone when to get in and when to get out. And a trading system really should, you should be able to give it to someone else. And hopefully if it's outlined well enough, they can follow the steps and get close to replicating your trading methodology. So with that systems mindset, that's the way that I've now approached business. And every facet of our business, whether it's from you know recruiting to staff onboarding to client onboarding, we document everything and we have standard operating procedures or in, in our business, we call them smart operating procedures, SOPs. And we do that as a way to get the business to run without me mm-hmm. and it makes everything like the game then becomes how do you constantly tweak and improve those systems and really that's business should be more that way it's a bit counterintuitive because as the entrepreneur we always are attracted to the exciting and the ever-changing and you know what's the next greatest opportunity you're going to jump on and that's great for the the entrepreneur in us but really business when you when you get down to the mechanics of the day to day it should be a little bit more you know I, I, for lack of a better word a lot more mundane there are certain processes and procedures and the way that things need to be done they just need to be done in the same way every time i totally agree with you i have a background in uh, systems myself i worked in finance and banking and in funds management and i couldn't agree more i think processes and 
systems are so important. They might be a little bit mundane, but they are what makes or breaks a business. And I totally agree with you. There are exciting things to be done, but there is also the mundane stuff that needs to be done. And to be honest, I quite enjoy the process of building systems within the business that are self-sustaining so that I can walk away from it and it can continue on without me. In fact, that's the whole point of entrepreneurship, right? It's about creating a self-sustaining entity that can build on itself without your direct involvement all the time. Yeah, exactly. And I have another framework where basically it's the growth or the journey of an entrepreneur. You you start off as the startup entrepreneur, you you know, you, you don't have any sort of specific ideas of like what it is that your your business is all about. You might have identified, hey, here's what the product or service is that we're selling and you've got the first few sales through the door so you know you've got a good product. But there, there becomes a point you can only grow the business so large with that mindset and you need a certain mindset to for a startup business. Oftentimes you are a bit of a micromanager. You are wearing multiple hats within the business. You're jumping around, you're doing a little bit of everything. And by doing that, it enables you to grow the business to a certain size, but to grow through to the next size, which I call the systems entrepreneur, that takes a completely different skill set. It's almost like the skills that you had as a startup entrepreneur hold you back from moving through to the systems entrepreneur right. because now you need to step back and you need to let team members step in and do the tasks. You need to you know, start to delegate people and have project managers and have people who are in control of certain parts of the business. Mm. Um, you know, you, you've got to kind of step back. And that's where most entrepreneurs get stuck. They get stuck, a startup entrepreneurs, they get stuck because they can grow a business to a certain size, but then, you know, they have trouble growing it through to the, the next stage because mm. it takes a different skill set. And I think the bridge on how people cross that, it's systems. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's the sweet spot and that's the secret. Absolutely. I think that's exactly it. The difference between a six and a seven or eight figure business or nine figure business is having good systems. I actually spoke to Buck Rizvi in a previous podcast. That was episode number 18. I'll put that in the show notes too. And he's got a eight figure business and the whole conversation was about systems. So uh, Mm. that's exactly what he's done. Okay. So let me just recap for the listeners. I think you made some great points about the subsystems. You clearly are all over this and there's a lot more to the present product and promote than just those three P's. And you really have that nailed. But just to cover off on that again, the three P's we're talking about is present, which is batching off a certain amount of time and creating a presentation. The second aspect is the product, which is you turn that presentation into one or more digital products. And the third aspect is promotion, where you drip out subsets of that content through YouTube or Wistia or whatever your promotion method is. And then there's a repurposing aspect as well, where you repurpose it through iTunes via a podcast or rev.com through written content. So that more or less covers the systems and the three Ps. Yes. Let's touch on importance of creation of information products and scalability and why most businesses should consider this as an additional revenue stream. Yeah. The good thing about information product and specifically now that a lot of information products are now delivered digitally. There's a lot of benefits from it. Obviously, it's I'm always a big fan of work that you do once that continues to pay over and over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Now, bringing out a book is a good example of a product that comes out, you do it, the work once, and then you have the benefit of, you know, for the next five, 10 years, or for as long as the the information remains relevant, you keep benefiting from it. There's not a high price on that though. With 
digital product and home study courses and the way that you position it, um, it can have a higher perceived value. Like books have a very set price because everybody's used to paying probably not more than 30 bucks, 40 bucks for a book. Whereas home study courses, you can sell it for, you know, anywhere from a few hundred dollars up to a couple of thousand dollars. Mm -hmm. So once you've done that work, the cost of delivery being very low, you, you can get some fantastic margin. It's very scalable. It's got you know, it's great diversification from whatever your core products and services are. And it helps build in that authority positioning as well, because experts are out there educating and teaching. So it's a great kind of addition there. And one of the ways that we use it as well at Melbourne SEO Services. So let's say a client comes to us, they might be a startup business, and they haven't quite got the budget yet to get some good quality SEO because now SEO takes quite a bit of work to get some good results. So the cost of SEO, good SEO has gone up, but it doesn't make sense for everybody like it once did to get SEO services. So they need to, you know, weigh up what their return on investment is going to be, what are the products and services that they're selling. So we'll have a discussion with them to identify whether or not they're a good candidate and if we feel like we can really add value and, you know, we're going to well and truly make them more money than they spend with us. But let's say for whatever reason they don't fall into that camp and they decide that they still want to do SEO but they don't have the budget. I can then use some of our educational products, our info products, then as downsells. So now, oh, okay, you're not a do-it-for-me client, you're a do-it-yourself client, and here is the solution for you. So it enables us to provide you know, varying levels to make sure that we can you know, try and help as many businesses as we can. And creating a product gives you the benefit of being in front of the audience without physically having to be there. You're effectively replicating yourself, which is something I talked about with Ryan Spanger. He actually said that was the power of video. I think it's a great way at a cheap cost to replicate yourself. There's something very interesting that you mentioned in one of your talks, you said you don't believe in writing a book first. Could you talk to us a bit more about that? I'm very interested in hearing more about that. Yeah, I think there are different ways for writing a book. And I think writing a book is fantastic for authority positioning, but I don't necessarily think that's the best way to start. And this might be a little bit biased because I don't fancy myself as someone who would sit down and crank out 60,000 words. Like, I mean, no matter what way you carve that, it's still going to be, you know, quite a big amount of work and effort to do it. So I found that an easier and more effective way is following the authority content methodology, the three Ps, is once you've ran this one-day workshop, uh, then you can take that, uh, get it transcribed, and then if you've done enough thinking beforehand and you think about how the content is going to be presented throughout the day and you think about the topics and subtopics and think of it almost in terms of the contents of a book, what ends up happening is the transcripts provide a fantastic foundation for you then to give that to a ghost writer and then they write the book for you and then you just come back and do the final edits. So, I mean, I'm always a big believer of you have to be the best example of whatever it is that you're teaching. Mm-hmm. So we're in the final stages of the authority content book. A little bit held up because we had our, our first child was born earlier this year. Congratulations and, uh, on that. Thank you. And he's, uh, yeah, been, it's helped reprioritize uh, the writing of that book. But uh, that's coming a bit back up to the forefront now. So the authority content book will come out and it'll be a great example of this idea of running one day, batching it all together, going through the three Ps, having a fantastic product at the end. So now we can have like the the do-it-yourself version, the do-it-with-me, which is a coaching program, or the done-for-you, which is the, the SEO side of things. And then the book becomes a fantastic front end for that. 
So it's just a different way to think about it. I hope your son is going to write the foreword for the book. <laughs> yes, I'll get him to do a little uh, <laughs> one-hour presentation. <laughs> so it's it's a different way to approach that, and I think it's much more effective and a better use of your time and enables you to tick so many more boxes in one go. I think that's a very smart way of repurposing content, which is using your video creation to eventually find its way into a book, but just being a bit strategic about your video recording or your product recording, the presentation side of things, so that it naturally flows into the structure of a book. Yeah. And there's a few other things you can do. I mean, we talked about systems and I'm a big believer in systems and some people go, oh, where am I going to find the time to write systems they know systems are important but no one ever actually gets around to writing them so sometimes another way to to run a workshop can be to think in terms of teaching your methodology or the way that you deliver your products and services you actually break it down step by step into how you deliver what it is that you do mm-hmm. then that actually becomes the first genesis of your systems because then that can be chopped up into pieces and then that becomes staff training. So a lot of the workshops that I run, I invite all of our staff along to as a way to educate them. And when new team members start, one of the first things they do as part of the staff onboarding is to go through and watch the authority content home study course and go through some of our other outsourced profit machine courses and things like that, just so they understand the methodology and thinking. And then again, you can have a team member step in behind you, take the transcripts, and then those transcripts can form kind of version one of your processes and procedures. Mm. Content can be a great way to train staff as well, which is another unexplored, I I believe, often unexplored method. When I recruit people via Odesk, I would like something done a certain way. I think it's very important to provide as much information as possible. And what better way to do that than to do a screen flow recording of what you would like done? Yeah, yeah. I'm a big believer of uh, video, so much so that we company, our sister company for Melbourne SEO Services is actually Melbourne Video Production. Mm -hmm. Because we believe in video so much and if time is the most limited resource we have, really the only way to duplicate yourself is through videos and systems. Exactly. Like they're the two ways to get the maximum leverage from the this idea of doing work once mm. that you can get years and years of benefit from. And that's where you want to be focusing a lot of your time. Absolutely. I mean, if you want to train somebody, for example, to publish a blog post, it makes much more sense to just record yourself publishing the blog post. And then whether it's one person or a hundred people that you're training, you just say, watch this video and it just saves you so much time. And of course, if they have any questions, they can always come back to you. But it's so much more sensible to do it that way. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about some of the key obstacles you've seen people experience when it comes to getting started with content marketing and how best can they overcome those obstacles? The biggest thing is just oftentimes it's a case of what's urgent but not necessarily important or what's important and what's in urgent, like the way that things get prioritized around there. It's creating content is something that's important, but it's not necessarily urgent. Mm. So more often than not, it gets prioritized down. I think that's where something needs to get, you have to turn it on its head and recognize that this is work that you'll do once will continue to pay, which actually makes it both important and urgent because you need to get as many of these content assets out there as possible as quickly as possible. So that's when you really start to leverage work that you've done. So part of it is a 
a prioritization issue. Sometimes it's an issue of, I mean, I always say, if you're looking for an excuse, you'll find one Hmm. and people will find any excuse not to do something. They, you know, don't have anything important to say. They don't understand technically how to do it. Maybe they're scared of getting in front of the camera. They don't know where to start. There's a whole bunch of different reasons. And like I said, if you look for a reason not to do something, you'll find it. What you need to start focusing on is looking for reasons to do something and understanding that, okay, the web is getting a lot more visual. The growth in video is huge. And they say, I think it's by 2017, uh, that 75% of all consumer traffic will be in the consumption of web video. So thinking about where trends are going, it's about getting your content in front of these trends so you can take advantage of trends that are happening as people get smart TVs and the integration between digital and, you know, traditional television gets tighter and tighter and people start consuming content on demand. That's going to, again, further fuel the consumption of this type of content. And it's about the leverage as well. Like I I always think in terms of creating these digital assets, being in the, the stock market education niche, we created a whole bunch of content that, you know, this is going back more than 10 years ago. I ran a workshop called the, the Metastock Secrets Seminar. We recorded this 10 years ago, uploaded it to YouTube. I think that was about eight years ago. And I really, if you go to that channel, now I look back, that channel has generated many millions of views. Those videos have been watched many millions of times. And even today, like, more than 10 years later, it still drives traffic back to my website, even though I haven't operated in that space for a very long time. So it's a very powerful media. And I mean, we were without a doubt, one of the pioneers in the space of creating video content, transcribing it, getting it turned into articles and syndicating it out. Like I've got the documented proof of this stuff on the web that Mm. that these days a lot of people now like I mean it's a bit this process and this procedure is a bit more commonplace but that for me is like we did that so long ago and I'm still getting rewarded for those assets that we put out there so it's about how do you create those assets and I mean you'd know from your finance background sort of the about income versus capital growth mm-hmm. uh, tip, typically speaking you know if, if you're going for something that, that drives income you don't get much capital growth out of it or you go for capital growth and then you get less uh, income out of it you forego some income that's right exactly right so you you just want to make sure obviously you need income because that's going to help you know, put the roof over your head, that's going to put food on the table, and that's how you solve your immediate problems. But you need to make sure enough attention is given to things that have the potential to grow with capital growth. Because really, that's the ultimate game is when you build up your asset base large enough that the income generated through that capital growth and more of that passive growth Mm. that you can then kind of step out of the rat race because you've kind of got that more passive income. And that's what I see a lot of this stuff as, building digital assets. And in this case, what we mean by capital growth, we mean authority, we mean influence online. That's the equivalent of capital growth. I really love your point about the important versus urgent analogy. I just wanted to bring that out a little bit more. So I think the capital growth or building authority is important and income falls into the urgent category. But if you ignore the important stuff for long enough, it becomes important and urgent because if you're not building an asset, an online asset, you're eventually going to erode. The 
important versus urgent thinking comes from the four quadrant matrix that was initially created by Eisenhower and then made popular by Stephen Covey. And I've actually written an article on LinkedIn about exactly this. So I might put that in the show notes. It's got a nice little diagram explaining the difference between urgent and important, those four quadrants. I'm a big believer in trying and tackling things in the second quadrant, which is stuff that falls into the not urgent but important before it gets to the first quadrant where it becomes urgent and important, in other words, a crisis. You try and deal with things when they're important before they get urgent so that you never have this situation where you've got a crisis on your hands. And that in this example is about building an online presence, building authority and creating a self-perpetuating asset. I think that idea of building up the authority and considering that as an asset is an important one because then no matter what you end up putting your stamp of approval towards, it gets an automatic boost. Kind of like now Virgin is a brand and there's real value there where they launch businesses in a variety of different spaces. Mm. They apply the the Virgin brand and then there's that jump. There's all of that goodwill that's been previously mm. sort of built up around the brand. And similarly, as you build up your authority, that's the same sort of thing. So I think time spent investing in building up your positioning in a marketplace is very well spent because it becomes a little bit of a magnifier and even going all the way back to what we were talking about with Google and it's not knowing who to trust online and defaulting towards authority. It's people tend to default to authorities because it makes the decision process easier. Whenever you're making a decision on when to to trust someone, if they're considered an authority, it's much easier for you to come to the conclusion, yes, I trust them, mm-hmm. So, which gets you closer to the buying state. So it's a great asset to build up. Absolutely. What you mentioned about Virgin, Elon Musk did with Tesla, right? I mean, he started with PayPal and Yep, the PayPal mafia. Yep, (laughs) the PayPal mafia. And he then took that into Tesla and now he's going on to do bigger and better things. I agree. Okay, so what actions can a listener take to get started today with content marketing? Probably the best thing to do is just to get started. I mean, it's, it's about getting the momentum. So I would, if you haven't yet done any content marketing, think about your target market, think about some of the frequently asked questions that you you know that are proposed to you by your clients and prospects and start answering them just one more time once and for all so list out what all of those questions might be get in front of a camera smash out all of those questions and now anytime anyone asks you that question rather than you saying hey here's the answer you can say hey i've made a video about that earlier go watch it over here. Then once you've got that piece of content, then get it transcribed, pair the transcriptions and the videos together, post it on your blog, upload it to YouTube, split out the audio, upload it to podcast. I mean, that's kind of like some secondary processes, but step one, let's just get you answering those FAQs one last time. Okay. And if you don't have an audience of your own, then just look at your competitors' websites, look at the questions they're asking on those websites and answer those questions. Yeah, or or just interview previous clients, like ask them prior to them making a purchase, like what are some of the things that they were thinking about or go to different forums. There's so many different ways you can research online to find out what types of questions people are asking prior to making a buying decision for whatever product or service it is that you sell. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about a book or a couple of books that have had a big impact on you and helped you take your business to the next level and why? 
two books come to mind. One, one in particular because of the topic, and we're talking about authority content, was a book called Influence by Robert Cialdini. And a lot of people have heard that one, The Psychology of Persuasion. I mean, that's really what we're looking at doing when we're talking about building up authority. It's kind of putting ourselves in, in that authoritative position to build up our influence and then be able to sort of direct people. So it's, that's a great book and kind of talks about some principles that you can then apply in all of your marketing, on your website, in your emails, everywhere. So that's a good one. And then the other one is a book that I've read relatively recently, but it kind of comes down to what we were talking about with the what's important but not urgent. It's the whole... 8020. There's a book by Perry Marshall, The 8020 of Sales and Marketing. And that's an excellent book for just understanding there are just a handful of activities that are typically giving you most of the results that you're getting. And a lot of the work that you're doing really is just noise. So it's about identifying which things are giving you the biggest impact on that bottom line and then focusing on those. And that's for me, when I look back, that's that's how we developed authority content. It was the the three P's that we went through was by going of all the things that we've done in the the different businesses we've run, what has had the biggest impact in the business that we've done and what's ticked the most amount of boxes. So that 80-20 principle is a, is a very good one to focus on. Fantastic that you mentioned these books because the very previous person I interviewed, Dan Dobos, mentioned the same book, Influence. So that's a fantastic thing. I'm, I'm definitely going to check that book out. And Perry Marshall was the mentor of our common friend, Mike Rhodes, who I also interviewed earlier in this podcast. That's another great one to check out. So listeners, please do check out these books. That's once again, the book is called Influence by Robert Cialdini, spelled C-I-A-L-D-I-N-I. And the other one is 8020 of Sales and Marketing by Perry Marshall. I'll put them in the show notes. Now, Dave, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, look, probably the best thing to do would be to head over to melbourneseoservices.com forward slash goodies. Okay. Um, so G-O-O-D-I-E-S. If you head over there, I've actually got two things. One is the 20-point uh, authority checklist that I put together, which kind of helps people look at the different elements that help to position them as an authority and kind of check how they're going with their own online profile. And then the, the second thing is the uh, leaked Google document, which is their the quality raters guidelines obviously being a little bit of an SEO guy, um, that's that's definitely something of interest to know what is Google looking for when it's looking for authority. Like they came out with, in that last update, a thing, an acronym called EAT, mm -hmm. E-A-T, which is expertise, authoritativeness, and trustworthiness. And it becomes now a common thread through a lot of their internal training documents about what it is that they're looking for when looking to rank websites and give them good visibility online. So they can download both of those at that link. Fantastic. Well, that's great information. I've actually checked out the Melbourne SEO Services goodies link, and I've checked out both those resources, and they're fantastic, so I highly recommend them. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, David. It was a real pleasure having you, and I really enjoyed this conversation. Pleasure. Thanks for inviting us. Thanks, Ash. Welcome. See ya. When you decide to take your business to the next level through good quality business coaching and actionable online strategies, head over to ProductiveInsights.com and book a free 30-minute consultation with me. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comments section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?